Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was bluer than a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. Hey, everybody. It's Todd Mitchell. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. Just me here in the studio today, uh, hoping to talk to a friend for the podcast later in the week. Uh, as for today, the topic is pretty simple this time because I've been trying to do more article content, more written content for the website. That's uh, codewriteplay.com, of course. I ran into sort of a weird article doing some research today and kind of fell down into a little bit of a rabbit hole. I found some really weird kind of disappointing stuff. So I'm, I'm bringing this up because we are in a new age. Everything's connected to everything We've transitioned into the social age where everybody, like, the content of the internet used to be from academics, from, you know, reputable websites, and now the content online comes from everyone. You know this. uh, There are, there's good and bad that comes with this. So, I mean, we have absolute lunatics saying hateful, weird, ridiculous stuff all over the place, but we've also lowered the bar for people who are experts in things and people who want to work to research stuff and present good information to the people around them. I try to be one of those people. Everybody can take a shot at that, provided you have, you know, basic internet, something to access the internet with. We've come to an interesting time where, and we haven't really caught up with this in schools, but we're we're coming up on a time where everyone sort of needs to understand journalism. I'm not saying that everyone is a journalist, I don't believe that's true, but many more people are doing journalistic work than ever before. For other reasons, I think everyone needs to understand how journalism works too. We'll talk about that a little more later. The issue at hand tonight, today, tonight, this morning, I've been writing about the topic of community. A games community and how publishers, how studios have to approach this when no one else approaches this. How do the players do it themselves? I think it's a kind of cool topic because new stuff is happening and it's it's moving a certain direction. But I want to look at sort of the way it impacts players compared to how it impacts studios because there, you know, both sides need to benefit from that. And I I personally think that studios stand to gain a lot more really publishers. Publishers stand to gain a lot more than players do. And players have, you know, as you know, have kind of negative experiences in community uh, activities sometimes. So I just want to take a look at that in, in print and sort of gather my thoughts and present, you know, sort of what I'm talking about. And then after that, on the podcast, I will be doing some discussion about how uh, you as a developer or part of a team you can work to try and ensure that, you know, players don't experience that negative stuff, the toxic things, what to do when a community goes toxic. I mean, it can't always be avoided, but it's, it's worth looking at because that's another new thing that we're not really fully caught up with yet. I've been writing about it. I've been researching it a lot today. And while I was searching things for just various different points I wanted to make, I found an article on Forbes that I want to talk about. Now here near the top of the show, I want to sort of put out this disclaimer. I personally have kind of a beef, like a long running beef with Forbes. I have friends who write for Forbes, but early, early on, on this website, I wrote publicly about why 
a lot of people were talking on social media and on websites about Star Wars Battlefront 1, before Battlefront 2, of course, when EA took over. They were saying a lot of things that were factually incorrect about that game, so I wanted to, you know, while I was just going through, like, what can I write about? I wanted to gather the actual data and the actual truth behind what Battlefront actually contained. Because there was, it was weird. Like, you don't often come across a game that's being either intentionally or accidentally lied about across the entire internet. The the thing specifically that I was addressing that set people off for some reason was a lot of people went, it only has four maps. You may remember that. If you've been around the game or you read articles back then, you may remember people going, this game only has four maps, which was untrue. It had four, I think it was planets, and it had like a dozen maps at launch and then they released more. So it was stuff like that. I was just pointing out like, here's a, a very widespread misconception about this that uh, is is wrong. And here's what it is. And here are some tweets, examples of uh, people going like, it has four maps, don't buy it, which isn't true. Uh, I didn't love the game. It wasn't a big deal to me. But I thought, let's let's be factual. So I get this article done. I put it on Twitter. From Twitter, it ends up on Reddit. <laughs> and you're always spinning the wheel when you uh, deal with Reddit. Sometimes it's awesome, sometimes it could not be worse. My article ends up on Reddit, and I, against my better judgment, get involved in this post where it is. I don't, I honestly don't remember if it was me who put it on there or not. I don't think I would have been that dumb, but I might have been that dumb. I was a bit younger. It's taking a controversial stance, which is this game is not 100% bad or evil, and Reddit went insane. A few people specifically, a few people gave it a fair shake and went, uh, it's true, people are saying incorrect things, and maybe they say, I still disagree for the following reasons, or I still don't like it for the following reasons. That's fine. I'm happy with that. Instead, I had to point out that Forbes had put Star Wars Battlefront 1 at the very top of a list of the like the 15 most disappointing video games of the year. And I don't have any issue with that. Some writer there decided that's what they wanted to do. But I noticed that that list also contained... What did it contain? I've got, I've got a list here. It contained The Witcher 3. That's surprising. Fallout 4. Halo 5. Metal Gear 5. You're going to put all those on the most disappointing games of the year list. So I unapologetically suggested maybe this writer has a very weird take on video games. And I I took a shot at Forbes in general and said, look, I don't I don't sit around uh, writing about day trading. Maybe Forbes should relax on their video game takes. Someone, I have no proof of who this was to this day, someone followed me around the internet harassing me about this for days. They started on Reddit and they were just, you could tell from their comments, they were frothing at the mouth. They went from there to my website where they very clearly the same person tore me a new one on my in my comments, then tore me a new one because his comment, his belligerent, insane comment was held for moderation, which I approved because it's like, I don't care if this is your opinion. I don't fine, whatever. I think you're a douchebag, but I'll put your comment up. I don't really. And I did respond to it like you're wrong here. You're wrong here. This is fine. I don't care. Whatever. And if you think I'm such an idiot, feel free to take off. I don't care. And I don't. I work on the internet. You can't hurt my feelings. But eventually, I think I might have had to block this person on Reddit. Like, it went on and on because I was sick of hearing about it. Like, enough. I've got stuff to do. 
But it, this person was like very, very specific about defending Forbes. And they didn't mention the writer per se, but I started to wonder, like, could this be the writer? I'm not suggesting it is. I have no idea. But at the end of the day, if it wasn't the writer who I've sort of looked into since then, and I think I'm of the opinion that, like, he seemed like a little bit of a maniac to me, and he still kind of does. Still a very popular writer. But he also has a legion of, like, very loyal supporters. And so it was clearly, like, if it wasn't him, and I doubt, I kind of doubt it was, but it was definitely one of his frothing followers. Uh, I'm sorry, this person was just a complete asshole. Like, at the end of this, I had to question the judgment at Forbes. Like, you're you're letting this kind of thing... And I, I found that this writer was at the center of many, many controversies going back many years. And this was already five years ago. And it's only it seems like it's only gotten worse since then. So, at some point, having worked in freelance games journalism, you know, I, I couldn't have conducted myself that way. And the people I know and who I met doing that, they couldn't conduct themselves that way either. So I'm like, at some point, you have to look at Forbes and go, what the hell are you guys doing? You don't have anybody who can write without, like, this person, like, every other sentence. This person's an idiot. This person's stupid. This person's dumb. Like, what are you, five? So, fine. Whatever. And, and like, that sort of conduct connects with people who want to behave like that. So, and I understand I've called this person a douchebag now and, and all this stuff. But, uh, fine. But so that that is the background on my beef with Forbes. So perfectly honest, when I see a gaming article on Forbes, if it's not written by the couple of people I know who contribute to Forbes, I go, okay, what is this going to be? It's already like minus 10 points <laughs> on the credibility scale. That's to say that I already felt this way when I saw this article today. And I went, I'm going to watch this carefully because I don't, you, you don't always know what you're going to get with Forbes. So I found, I was searching for stuff about communities and it, their effect on like sales of games, adoption of games, the long-term survival of games. That's the kind of stuff I wanted to write. And if somebody has some facts about that, I wanted to hear them. So I came across this article that was titled How Community-Based Video Games Came to Dominate the Market by Alex Barsegian, I think, <laughs> uh, for Forbes. From the headline, that seemed a little bit basic for Forbes. I mean, there's still an outlet that tries to do serious news. How community-based video games came to dominate the market. Okay, fine. So I, uh, I, I know that I'm probably being overcritical, so I go, let's read it, let's give it a shot. Maybe I can find something to quote in my, in my article. It mentions a couple of things, talks about Fortnite. Oh, okay, we all know Fortnite's successful. I thought, I don't really want to be the guy that's like, well, if you want an example of a community doing well by a studio and making a game popular, look at Fortnite. Like, yeah, no shit, look at Fortnite. I wanted to do something better than that. But there was another note in this article about Microsoft's decision to purchase Mojang, which made Minecraft. So I thought, this could work. You know, Minecraft is another like, oh yeah, it's popular. Surprise, surprise. But if there if there was, you know, a quote or an interview that he was referring to where somebody from Microsoft went, yes, based on the community itself, we decided to make this purchase. Great. This is making my point. So much of journalism is like, here's the point I want to do. I need it to be supported. How can I support it? So I look at this. The paragraph says, Minecraft is unique in that way. It can be either a multiplayer experience or an immersive single-player journey. Now I'm going to stop right here. I'll pause right here. 
that does not make any one video game that unique, but let's go on. It goes on to say, that's why Minecraft has attracted 91 million worldwide players and why Microsoft bought the company that makes the game in 2014 for 2.5 billion with a B dollars. Its community is strong, is what it says. I say, okay, I, I, you know, just being a freelance writer myself, I wish that that last phrase, its community is strong, had been sort of more directly connected to something someone said or something specific that was uh, written up or reported at that time. But I go, okay, there are two links in this paragraph and surely I can find out what one of them was. The attracted 91 million worldwide players links to an article by Business Insider. Minecraft is still one of the biggest games in the world with over 91 million people playing monthly, and that is by Ben Gilbert. So I read through that. I didn't exactly find what I wanted. And so I looked at the other link, which was around the figure $2.5 billion. That links to an article titled, Microsoft's $2.5 billion acquisition of Mojang suddenly looks like a great investment. That's written by Sean Knight for TechSpot.com. And I went through that, and a realization occurred to me. Neither one of these articles contains the word community at all. That word does not appear in either article. The TechSpot article goes as far as to say, We now know Microsoft had much bigger plans for for Minecraft. The popular sandbox building game has been prominently featured in Microsoft's public HoloLens demonstrations and could very well be the killer app when the augmented reality headset comes to market. And now Microsoft is positioning its franchise for success in yet another industry education. Okay, Microsoft wanted to use Minecraft to demo their HoloLens tech, and they wanted to use it in the educational space. No one said a word about community. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, AppFigures. AppFigures is all about helping game makers get more downloads and revenue. You know AppFigures for analytics and app store optimization. Now AppFigures can help you track competitors, from downloads and earnings to their audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. Say a competitor adds a new feature or was mentioned in the news. With AppFigures, you can see if that brought in more downloads. Have a new app or game idea? AppFigures will show you how big the market is and how much you could earn. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, AppFigures can help you reduce risk and get more downloads without a huge budget or a data science degree. It's affordable and simple. AppFigures provides guides and tutorials to take you step-by-step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash gamedevbreakdown to try AppFigures for free. If you like it, use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for three months. Again, that's GDB3030 to get 30% off for three months. Big thank you to AppFigures for sponsoring the show. So I'm thinking back to my experiences as an editor and as a freelancer working under editors who know much more than I do to this day, when you want to link to something like that and you want to make a claim in your article and link to something for support, guess what that link has to do? It has to support it. That wasn't supported at all. You could make a very abstract argument that like, well, if it has a lot of players, they must have bought it for the community, whether they said that or not. Well, you need to do a little better than that. Because that idea was central to the entire purpose of that whole article. 
And it was like 50% of the support. The other, the other half was Fortnite, where I personally think the community aspect is complicated enough that you'd have to be more specific for that too. So I go, who is this guy? And this, this Alex Barsegian, who I had never heard of, I, uh, I click on his name and I, I actually, I go back up to the top of the page. Now I notice that next to his name, and I should have looked at this to begin with, it says Forbes Councils member, comma, Forbes Technology Council, comma, <laughs> all caps, council posts. I don't know what that means. Finally, at the end, it says membership, parentheses, fee based. Ah, I've heard about this because I heard about this just recently. He is part of a council, which is just a group that pays a fee. And as part of the benefits for that membership, he gets to post stuff on Forbes. And if you haven't heard of that, I'm going to explain how that works. But before I do that, I wanted to give this guy a fair shake. So I went, okay, he's part of this thing where he pays a fee. And as a result, he can submit articles to Forbes that as far as I know about these programs, they're supposed to still meet certain editorial requirements. I mean, like it still gets reviewed, right? I thought. So maybe he's still someone who should be writing about games. So who is he, right? Nope. He runs an investment firm. In the article, he appears to be very careful never to say he actually plays any games or has played any games. I'm not saying that's a requirement for every journalist or every writer in every article on a news site that does games, but he dances around the topic. He's like, I remember that I used to see people playing Street Fighter when I was younger. And it's, he just sort of moseys off from the point, doesn't say he played it, doesn't say he <laughs> any of his friends did. It just kind of runs from it there as if that was like as close to the topic as he could get. And then he went on to make his point, which was largely about community. And at that time, he was working in a field where his firm would like help businesses do customer incentives to establish what? Community. Okay, well, that's pretty self-serving, I think. Okay, so let's talk about if you're not familiar with these councils. The first time I heard of this was in a very recent article titled Rolling Stone Seeks, quote, Thought Leaders Willing to Pay $2,000 to Write for Them. That article's by Archie Bland for The Guardian, and in it, it says, Rolling Stone Magazine is offering, quote, Thought Leaders the chance to write for its website if they are willing to pay $2,000 to, quote, shape the future of culture. Emails seen by The Guardian suggest that those who pass a vetting process and pay a $1,500 annual fee plus $500 up front will have the opportunity to publish original content to the Rolling Stone website. It suggests that doing so, quote, allows members to position themselves as thought leaders and share their expertise. It's getting kind of gross, right? Publication is not guaranteed and prospective first-person pieces are vetted by Rolling Stone's partner, the community company. So not by Rolling Stone, but by their partner? The pieces appear under a banner that under a banner describing the Culture Council as an invitation-only network of industry professionals who share their insights with our audience. A further pop-up discloses that membership is fee-based. So they don't invite everyone, they don't open it up to the public at large, but the people who do get that invite can pay an exorbitant fee, and then they can just, here, I would like this published on Rolling Stone. Well, okay, so is this what Forbes is doing? It definitely looks that way. 
I uh, I looked further into this and found another article titled, We Turned Down a Monthly Forbes.com Column, Here's Why. That's by Saul Haffenbrettel of cblohm.com, C-B-L-O-H-M.com. It says, Forbes Media recruited us to join its agency council. Ethical concerns guided our decision to decline. So these guys wanted it both ways. They got the invite. They wanted people to know they got the invite. They wanted to decline, and they wanted to make themselves look even better by saying, here's why we said no. (laughs) So uh, it says, according to its website, the Forbes Agency Council is an invitation-only organization for senior-level executives in successful public relations, media strategy, creative, and advertising agencies. It's positioned as an exclusive group of executives, an honor to be selected, a career status symbol, But the honor isn't free. Joining the council requires annual dues. It's a fee-based membership group you pay to belong. Okay, we're looking at what sounds like the exact same thing. They go on to say, The whole thing sent our ethics antenna into a frenzy. Oh, you heroes, you courageous heroes. So we sought counsel from Katie Culver, director of the Center for Journalism Ethics at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Good friend to have. Katie says, labeling something community voice, which is how Forbes, I guess, initially did this, is exceedingly vague. She said in a conversation about native advertising in the Forbes Agency Council, we tend to think of communities in a certain way, and the most likely interpretation here is that the content is coming from Forbes readers. Being transparent about paid content is a critical step, and calling these articles community voice is insufficient. So what this suggests to me is they used to do this in an even more confusing way. Uh, I'll call it sneaky. (laughs) And they've since changed it to make it very clear that people are part of this, quote, council, which still kind of sounds like it could be made up of readers, even if they're handpicked. But at the very end of that tag, by the person's name, it says... Membership is fee-based. So when I when I went back and saw this, I was really kind of pissed because I've been doing research all day. I found a, a point here that ended up in my notes and my outline. I was planning to quote that and link to it and everything. And then I find out it's basically garbage from someone who doesn't know anything about games at all. I doubt he even wrote it himself. I can't prove that. But a lot of people in this situation will have a ghostwriter draft something up and then they submit it with their uh, oversight. I have no idea if that's the case or not, but based on the way that got to Forbes, I want nothing to do with it. And I went, okay, I've only heard people talking about Rolling Stone doing this. How much of this is Forbes doing? So I did a couple of searches like uh, Forbes council member post games, Forbes council member post gaming. I was able to find over a dozen articles involving gaming right away. And there were more. I stopped going through them, either directly involving gaming or sort of peripherally mentioning games. So there's a decent chance if you look at Forbes on any regular basis, you have seen something that someone paid them to put on their website. And I mean, with a specific goal in mind, these guys are looking for links to their companies, their books that they wrote. They have motives for days. And it's not like give the people the news as a typical journalist would. So... Remember back when I was talking about this Forbes troll coming after me and saying during that discussion that like, who are you, you idiot who runs this like shitty blog in the back corner of the internet? Well, I here at CodeWritePlay.com <laughs> have routinely received offers for paid articles that I would place in a couple of 
instances. They wanted me to put the article up, never admit that it was uh, a paid content placement, which I believe is illegal. Or at the very least, they they wanted me to like, this will be a big favor to us if you put up this guest post and don't ask any questions. Every single time I've told them, take that and get it out of here. We're not doing that here. That's not how I roll. That's not what this website is for. Will not be participating. I, here in my back corner of the internet, have some damn standards and turned that down every time. Well, it turns out Forbes is running with that ball as far as they can possibly go. And I mean, these are recent articles. They started back like last year, I think. But many of these are much more recent and it looks like they're really ramping things up. Uh, Bottom line, you need to learn a little bit about the people you read news from in any form from any outlet. That's just common sense. Find out who, who people are, what they're doing, and be thinking about why they might be doing it. Because we're probably going to see an increase in paid content in gaming outlets. I'm sure this is not going to be at Rolling Stone and then Forbes and then nowhere else. I think you can probably look forward to this around the web very soon. I can tell you I have no intention to do it. I don't think it's right. I think that's very misleading. I think it goes against the very most basic tenets of journalist ethics. I mean, we all know about the outcry with games journalism and ethics. Hey, I was dumb enough to try to go into games journalism at the height of Gamergate. I was never involved in it, thankfully. I participated in websites that did get hit by it real hard, worked with people who got uh, harassed a ton, uh, but I was that's as close as I got to it. But we're, we're probably going to see more of this stuff at more outlets. For that reason, I think everybody has an obligation to understand the basics of what's going on in journalism, how it's supposed to work, and when it's not working that way. This keeps us informed and prevents us from spreading misinformation. This may sound familiar because of some things that have been happening in the news and some things that have been happening over the last four years. Democracy and journalism are tied very closely together. One typically creates the other where neither exists. They rise and fall together, as they say. So if actual, actual fake news were to to start to take off, we really would have a giant problem in journalism. So I'm surprised that any major outlet would let themselves get anywhere near or even flirt with that concept. Because I'm here to tell you, the article I read today did not meet the standards of any version of editing I've ever been subjected to. I would be very surprised if Forbes editorial staff got to look at that or had any real chance to go, this needs to be fixed, this needs to be changed, this wasn't done well. And how do you do that with a writer who has paid $2,000? I don't know what the fee is at Forbes, let me be clear. But that's what it was at uh, Rolling Stone. How How do you tell an industry executive in in some other industry who paid thousands of dollars potentially to write this, how do you go, it's not good, I want you to rewrite it? They probably can't. So that means this outlet's putting stuff up that they don't really have as much control over as they normally would. That reduces the quality of the journalistic standard there. That's to say, we we do need to strive for the highest <laughs> the highest bar possible in a brand new world where there's all sorts of new forms of journalism and new qualities and new participants we need to figure out how it works we need to understand it and we need to strive for the best journalism that we can have out there us as readers us as writers you know anybody who's involved in it anyone who's not 
you, you still benefit from it or you're hurt by it if it's done poorly. And so that's why we need to understand the basics, the rules that are widely understood and widely accepted. And, you know, we should hold people to them. We shouldn't harass anyone, obviously. We shouldn't have a campaign over it. But we should be able to call it out when we see stuff that does not match up. And to the credit of many journalists I've seen, many editors I've seen at other sites, they are starting to call this stuff out. And I think you're going to hear more about it. I think I'm in a little bit early on seeing this and understanding what's going on, hopefully bringing it to people's attention. I think you're going to hear more about this very soon. I don't know if it's going to stop because there's money involved. There's huge money involved, apparently, at a time when those outlets are generally starving. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll have to see how it goes. My... My uh, guidance to you for now is watch those author lines. Watch for those little notes about like this is by a uh, the word council always seems to be involved. This person is a member of our such and such council. It's a membership. It's a fee based membership from our council. Watch out for that stuff. I'm not saying don't give the person a chance, but understand you're basically seeing an advertisement. You're seeing product placement. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt or do your own research about it. But do keep your guard up. Here in this world where we're going to start seeing that, I guess, all the time. This is a weird, gross thing that has now infiltrated gaming outlets, and you need to be aware of it. I would like to talk about journalism more in future shows. We can go over sort of a a short history of journalism, talk about journalism and games, talk about the general rules and ethics that should be followed by the people participating in the news reporting that you see and hear and read things that you should adhere to if you try to create content like that. We're we're in a world where YouTubers, podcasters, bloggers, a lot of new people are out there creating news and they don't necessarily know those standards that are supposed to be adhered to. I came in from the outside. Like I started doing this stuff myself and a real news outlet gave me a shot. And so I became a freelancer. I had to learn this stuff in a hurry. Editors, good editors will explain very quickly when you haven't done it correctly. And then, you know, you got to do your own homework and you've got to <laughs> hold yourself to those standards. They're very widespread standards that everyone needs to do. So I'd like to talk about that because that makes you a smarter consumer. That makes you a better creator if that's something you do. It's something that I think is going to be much more popular in schools. It's going to be much more important in college for just about everybody because that's the new world that we're in. There's all sorts of news, all sorts of content, and we need to know what's been done well and what we need to be wary of. I hope that helps. I'm sure it's an unexpected topic, but I want to make you smarter consumers. I want you to hold me accountable. If you make this stuff on your end, I want to hold you accountable and we can all get better together, right? With that said, if you enjoy this here Game Dev Breakdown podcast, I would love to have you subscribe. We have a Discord server. We have show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. You can find the Discord there at CodeWritePlay.com. There's, uh, there are more articles and stuff on the way. I've got one up recently uh, over the weekend. want to do more each week. So uh, feel free to check the site out. It's not just for show notes. But uh, on social media, you can follow at GameDevPod on Twitter, CodeWritePlay on Twitter, and me, Mecha Toddzilla with one D and two L's. Love hearing from you all and uh, send uh, feedback, questions, topics, things you're working on. Love hearing all that. I am going to talk to a friend, I hope, for the show later in the week. There'll be something to do either way. So we'll just, we'll keep charging along. Hope everybody's doing well. Keep your chin up. 
check in on one another and uh, make me proud out there. Talk to you soon. Todd Mitchell here for Code Right Play and for Game Dev Breakdown saying catch you next time. Congratulations on your Game Dev Breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me.